All right. Hello. Good morning. All right. Well, let's get into word just a little bit this morning. Welcome to December. Man, we was talking about that. It's kind of come quick this year, hasn't it? Seemed like it was a little faster than normal. I think that's what happens as you get older. Uh, I wanted to uh, give a reminder before we start this morning. December the 18th, I hope you'll uh, mark your calendars. That is when we are going to do our big Christmas gathering. Uh, I've got some great gifts that we're going to give out. Everybody that shows up is going to get a couple new gifts that will be uh, useful, hopefully, for you. And I just want to explain why we're doing that on December the 18th and not the 25th. December the 25th is on a Sunday, and we will be here, but we want to respect uh, our workers' time. We want to respect uh, everybody's time out here. No people have family things uh, that they've got to get to, and so we will be here a regular Sunday, uh, but doing the gifts and everything the way it does, we know that adds so much more time. Uh, we're going to do that on the 18th, so be, be sure and be here for that. Also, want to remind you, these cold nights, please, please, Take advantage of uh, Jimmy Hale Mission. They've got a, a warming station, uh, so please take advantage of that. That is where the warming station has moved uh, this year and for the foreseeable future, so be sure and take advantage of that, okay? All right, so last week we talked about Rahab the prostitute. If you were here last week and you heard that or you saw it online, man, a beautiful story that really kind of talked about redemption twofold. You had this beautiful story of Rahab the prostitute that had trusted in God over man. And actually, you know, this redemption was in a physical sense, like saved people physically and also set up the events that was going to happen later that Charlie talked about uh, from the walls of Jericho that fell. So we know that story. But then redemption also the fact that God gave us this extra little part of the story that when we went to Matthew 1 and saw the lineage of Jesus Christ, that Rahab the prostitute was in that direct lineage. So Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, comes from this line of a prostitute. Just even screaming more the glory of God that it doesn't matter what we've done or what we're doing or what we will do, the grace of Jesus is enough. It is sufficient. Amen? So if you're with me and you're tracking this morning, we continue in this uh, story of faith, and uh, we're looking at Hebrews 11.32 today, and as we do this, we're going to be in this verse for a few weeks because I believe there's like five or six individuals, if I remember right, that are mentioned in this one verse, and so today we're going to look at the story of Gideon, but we'll be in Hebrews 11.32 for a few weeks uh, and then also, you know, Christmas as well, we'll have, have something special for that. So I hope you will be here Christmas morning. It'll be a fun morning together. So today, we'll look at Gideon, Hebrews 11.32. Let me read that for us this morning, and we'll pray together. So Hebrews 11.32, and what more shall I say? This is the author, the writer of Hebrews. He's gone through this whole list of people who've had this extraordinary faith. And he says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to mention of Gideon. Now he's going to go from there and mention several other people, but today we will look at the life of Gideon. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you for the series that we've had just talking about faith, this complete trust and confidence in someone 
or something. That someone for us is you, God. And so we thank you for that. You are the reason that what we do out here is possible. You are the provider. Uh, you're a good father, and so we thank you for that. We pray that you just speak to hearts this morning, that you challenge and encourage our faith. If that faith journey has yet to begin, we pray that it starts today. If it's ongoing, we pray that it grows even deeper uh, today, just looking at the idea of what it looks like to live a life of faith. And so, Jesus, we thank you. We say it all the time. Jesus, we need you. We pray it in your name. Amen. All right, so let's look at the story here. Judges 6 is where the story of Gideon takes place. But before we do that, I want to give you a little background uh, of what's going on in the book of Judges as we see it. Judges 6.1 starts with this. And if you've ever read the book of Judges, this will be super familiar because it is all the way through the book of Judges. And if we look really closely, we may even see a day like today that we live in that resembles a statement like this. See if this doesn't sound familiar. Judges 6.1, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Also, many times, the theme in Judges, listen to this statement. It says, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Sound familiar to a world that we live in today? Everybody just does what is right in their own eyes. No regard to to God, no regard to others, but just whatever makes them happy. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so that's the context, the setting of what we have going on, that people had just given over and even after all the miracles they had seen of the Old Testament from God, We are going to do what is right in our own eyes. We're going to live our own way regardless of what God is telling us to do. And so in times like that, in times like that we live in now, we need people of courage that will serve and love and show compassion and get this, be selfless in a selfish world. It's not hard, I mean, it's not easy to do, it's it's, A hard thing to do, but it's only possible through Christ. That's the only way you're going to manage being selfless in a selfish world. And so we see that here in Judges that the people are doing their their own thing. They've turned away from God. And then we get into a place here where it's uh, Israel has been overtaken. They're being overtaken by the Midianites, the uh, place of Midian. And it says all their land was scared All of them even are subject to today. I want to give you the air quotes. Even the hero of the story today, which is Gideon, we're going to be introduced to him, and he is fearful. He is scared. He is hiding. But it's so interesting to me when we see the story of Gideon, what Gideon sees himself as, and then what God sees Gideon as. There's two completely different things, and I would even venture to say that it is the same with you and I this morning. Many of us feel a certain way. We've labeled ourselves, or maybe even others have labeled us, but I would venture to say that God sees you much differently than you see yourself. So I pray you'll track with us this morning as we look at this in Scripture. So Judges 6, I want to read verses 11 through 16. That'll be our story today. We'll talk about it for a few minutes here. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth of Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite. 
while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Anybody ever ask that? If the Lord is with me, why in the world has so much of this wrong things have happened to me, right? We've all probably been there at one time or another. And it says, where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted us saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? So let me just tell you from there, Gideon's telling him, said, man, all my life I've heard people talk about the goodness of God. And if that's the case, then why in the world are all of these things happening to us? Why am I hiding? Why am we scared? Why Why are we being overtaken? You get kind of the picture of what's going on here. It says, but now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hands of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Did I not send you? And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And you will strike the Midianites as if they were one man. So I want you to track with me this morning and listen to a few things. An angel of the Lord. I just want to just stop right there and say, if you've ever seen a moment in Scripture when an angel of the Lord shows up, let's just go on and say, probably a pretty important message is about to be delivered. Would you agree with that? Every time we see an angel of the Lord, it's this significant message of hope, the significant calling, the significant moment in time where an angel of the Lord stops and encounters a human being and shares with them a message directly from God. Would that not trip you out? If you ever look in Scripture and you see even the paintings, I want to tell you most of the time we see a a description of the angel of the Lord. It's not some cute little baby with wings or like this precious little. It is a fearful looking being because most of the time it says people drop to their knees as almost an act of worship. And most of the time we see an angel say, no, 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 get up, right? It's not me. I am a messenger from the one who is to be worshipped. But nonetheless, these frightful, fearful, kind of strong and, and courageous beings. And so they're meeting with Gideon. And I'm just going to say that probably piques Gideon's interest of like, I probably need to pay attention, right? I mean, not a normal occurrence that an angel of the Lord shows up to visit. But here, I want to tell you this right here today. Can I tell you that if you believe, this is my belief from Scripture, that if you believe and if you have a relationship with God through Jesus, that's the way I believe a relationship with God is possible through Jesus Christ, that you have something even greater than a visit from the angel of the Lord. I want to tell you what our Bible teaches us. That if you believe that you are not only a child of God, that's amazing in itself. That you and me have the opportunity to be children of God. No matter what we've done, doing, or will do, that the grace of Jesus makes that possible. That we have a relationship with God, that's wonderful. But it also tells us that the Holy Spirit of God indwells inside of us. Is that not amazing this morning? Can I tell you that you have something even greater if you believe than any kind of visit from any kind of being. 
You have the Holy Spirit, the power of God living inside of you, so much so that Ephesians calls it the immeasurable greatness of His power is inside of you. The same power that rose Christ from the dead indwells you. That's better than any angel's visit, amen? And so I want you to think about that this morning as you listen to the story of Gideon and you say, man, an angel visited him. You have the power of God in him if you believe. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, that is an awe-inspiring moment. And so this, quote, hero of the story is mentioned today, but I want to tell you, he's a man just like you and me. He has fears, he has worries, anxiety, stress, problems, all of these things. I love that Hebrews 11.32 said that we should have the faith of Gideon. And then we're introduced to Gideon it says, oh yeah, he's hiding in the wine press, scared to death. It doesn't really look like a great and godly example, right? That we shouldn't be fearful. We know that a spirit of fear does not come from God, right? But here's our hero, hiding, hoping that he will not be found. That's the uh, objective to hiding, right? Anybody hide and seek? Anybody ever played that? That's the goal, right? To hide and not be found out. And so many of us are living our life in that same kind of hiding moment of just wanting to stick to ourselves and not be found out that maybe we're a phony, maybe we're a fake, or maybe that we're this or that or an addict or whatever we're hiding, but we're hiding nonetheless. Fearful, just like a man named Gideon. So he's hiding from the Midianites. It says that. It says that he was beating out wheat in the wine press. Two key words here. To hide. That is why he was there. It wasn't that there was some overwhelming task that he had to be a part of that moment. No, his country is being invaded. And it said that I'm going to go in here in the wine press and I'm just going to hide out a little bit. Doesn't look like a hero. Doesn't look like somebody we ought to emulate. In fact, I would tell you, I don't think hiding out is the the answer to live uh, a life that God has for you. In fact, we looked at the the life of Joshua when we looked at Jericho, and Charlie reminded us of that, that calling, and I think we all have to be strong and courageous. Would you look at Gideon and say that this man is anything but a coward? Right? I mean, look at him, he's hiding. I mean, you'd like to think, hey, uh, our country's under attack. The people I love are under attack. I'm going to at least fight. I'm going to at least go down with the ship, right? Like any good captain would. But it says that he is fearful and he's hiding out. So I ask you this question. Now that you know the rest of the story, and if I was to tell you just this part, hey, there's a man named Gideon and he's hiding out because he's fearful. He's scared to death. And say, but an angel's going to visit him. And I were to ask you, what do you think the angel would say to him? If we just knew that part of the story alone, most would probably say the angel's going to say, hey, coward, (laughs) come on out. It's fine. You'll be okay. You know, like, uh, hey, loser. Hey, you know, whatever. Fill in the blank. Whatever you want to call him, we'll keep it PG here. But all kind of names that he could call him about, come on out here. But guys, listen, there's something so beautiful here, and I believe it's for all of us. He didn't call him a coward. He didn't call him a loser. He didn't call him a punk. He didn't call him some other kind of name. Listen to what it says. The greeting is this. To a man hiding in a wine press, scared to death, O mighty man of valor. 
Now, I don't know about you. I don't know other than reading this story, I don't know that I've ever used the word valor in my life. That's just not a word that you hear very often. It's not a, a word that we, you know, talk about. But I, I want to give you the definition of this word. And there are some words that we would use here. And I want you just to picture, does this look like a man that is hiding in the corner, scared to death? Here's what the word valor means. Courage, boldness, strength, braving danger. Now what part in the world of this man hiding looks to an angel that he is a man of great courage, of strength, braving danger? Nothing. He doesn't look courageous at all. He doesn't look strong. He doesn't look like he's brave. But yet this angel comes to him and says, Oh mighty man of valor. I love that when that happens here, it says the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. And Gideon says to him, I love these first words, please, sir. It's this moment of Gideon talking with this angel, this fearful being, and he's, are you for real? Like, I'm hiding over here, almighty man of valor. Like, you, do anybody remember the old show Candid Camera, right? Or, or Punked for you newer folks like MTV? Like, are you serious? Me? It's like I'm hiding out over here. How can I be considered strong and courageous? In fact, he goes on, he says, you said the Lord is with me. If the Lord was with us, he's even kind of talking back. If the Lord was with us, then why is all this happening to us? If we're honest, how many of us have asked that same question? God, if you are really with me like they talk about here, if you are really with me how your word talks about, then why is life so hard? Why does it feel like you're not there? Maybe we feel like from life getting in the corner and hiding ourselves, but an angel, oh mighty man of valor. Can I tell you, I want to give you a little spoiler alert. I think there is a twofold reason why the angel could say this. Number one, and most important, if you got to leave, I want you to hear this. It had far less to do about Gideon and far more to do about who was with Gideon. Listen to what he says. He says, before the mighty man of valor, it says, when the angel appeared to him, he said to him, the Lord is with you, almighty oh, man of valor. It was far less about who Gideon was and far more about who Gideon belonged to. The Lord is with you. That is why a man that is hiding in the corner, that is why a man is fearful for his life, that is why a man who was whole objective in life right now is two words, to hide, could be greeted and said, you mighty Man of valor. Can I please do this and get your attention for just a moment? If you're not listening, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear it. I want you to believe it. I want you to hear it from a heart of love. The second reason the angel could say this, and I believe it applies to so many of us in this crowd this morning. Can I just be completely real with you and say this, that God sees us as we truly are and not the way we imagine ourselves. 
Because some of you daily, man, you look in a mirror. If you don't look in a mirror, you just picture yourself and you say, man, I'm nobody. I'm useless. I'm this. I'm that. Fill in the blank with whatever word you or someone else you've given authority to that have labeled you. All the while, God is looking at you and said, oh, mighty man or oh, mighty woman of valor. I see you differently than you see yourself. Is that not beautiful this morning? What if it, it's honestly this, and I didn't plan to say this, but I want to tell you this, God-honest, gospel-centered just truth. Do you know what the enemy is referred to more times than not? I mean, he's a thief, he, you know, he, he kills, all this stuff. Do you know that he's more often referred to as a liar, right? He's a liar. The enemy is a liar. He is real, but he is a liar. Can I tell you this beautiful thing? A lie, this is going to blow your mind, but you need to hear this this morning. A lie is completely opposite of the truth. I know that's just shocking revelation this morning. But what that means is a lie is this way, and the truth is 180 this way. It is the exact opposite. So if you say, and you bought into the lie, I'm a nobody, you know what the truth is? You are somebody. You say, man, I'm looking at this mirror and I am no good. That's a lie. You know what the truth is? You're good. You see the beauty of that? So the lie that you've been giving in, I want you to try to say this. Well, if I'm buying into that lie, give me the 180. What's the truth? What does God think about me? You see, I, I hate to break it to you, but when it comes to the creator of the world or your opinion, I'm going to say his probably holds a little more weight. Right? I mean, his holds more weight than what you think yourself. He has the final say. You don't. And ain't sure nobody else does. Nobody has the, the right to speak over your life except from God. Right? I mean, man, I really feel like there's some folks out here that are starting to believe this stuff. Maybe six years in of this journey, you've been out here and you've been hearing this stuff every week or you've been seeing or experiencing something out here and I can grasp it that some of you are starting to believe. I'm starting to believe it about myself. That he's absolutely in love with me in spite of how many times I try to screw it up or how many things I mess up in my own life. He is absolutely crazy about me. And so God sees us as we truly are and not the image we have of ourselves or the images of others and what they've spoken. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when David is about to be anointed as the new king of Israel. Does anybody remember that story? It's 1 Samuel 16. It's before you go into David and Goliath, all this good stuff, right? And, and in this passage, David is this young shepherd boy. He's got these brothers. The, the father's name is Jesse, and Samuel the prophet is told to go down to Jesse's house, and there you will find the new king. Do you remember the story? And it said that Samuel even gets caught up in this, the prophet of God that is called to go. And he starts looking at all the sons one by one. And it even says it. He looks at one and says, now that right there, that, that's a handsome guy. That surely is king material. And then another, well, if he's not it, that guy's probably the next choice. And then it goes on, and he goes through all the sons, and it finally gets to a moment where Samuel goes to Jesse and says, 
I'm not feeling it. God's not giving me the direction here that any of this, are you sure these are the only sons you have? Jesse, the father of David, even says, well, there is the youngest, but he's out tending sheep. Surely you don't want him. And Samuel says, well, send for him because we're not going to eat until we see him. And when he walks down the, the lane, he says, God tells him, don't look at his outward appearance. I don't look at things like that. I look at the heart. And that's what's at play here. Gideon is looking at the outward appearance. He's looking at the fact that he's hiding in a corner. Maybe he's been told his whole life. In fact, he says this. I'm from Manasseh, which, by the way, we won't get into all of Israel's history here today. That's a half-tribe is what it's considered of Israel. Not even a full-fledged tribe of Israel. So this half-tribe, and if you notice, he says, I'm from Manasseh, so this weak clan, and I'm the weakest of the weak. You don't think he's heard that in his life? You're no good. You're weak. You're from Manasseh. I mean, <laughs> you don't even belong to the right people. Gideon had bought into that. He's hiding over there like he's nobody. And an angel of the Lord says, you mighty man of valor. No matter what had been spoken over him, God saw it differently. He sees the heart, not the outward appearance as the way man sees, but God sees the heart. Listen to what he goes on to tell him. Again, I cannot stress enough, a man hiding in the corner, and the angel says, Go in this might of yours and save Israel. Uh, not the message that a man hiding in the corner probably would expect to hear. But then he gets this question. Did I not send you? I'm sending you. I'm sending you out. Can I tell you this? That if God is sending you somewhere, God is calling you to something, He's prepared you. Simple as that. You may not feel it, but if he's calling you to do it, he will make a way. He will prepare you. He says, behold, my clan, you know, this half tribe of Israel, Manasseh, it's the weakest. And I'm the least in my father's house. Anybody out here feel like they're the least of something? Maybe you do. There's two words that are beautiful in Scripture, and it is but... God. Here's the Lord's response, but I will be with you. Here's what the angel of the Lord says. I, I, I believe in just common sense terms. He says, I'm from the half tribe. That's a weak tribe. I'm the weakest. All of these things. And I feel like the angel of the Lord, valid points, but I will be with you. That's all you need to know. I will be with you, and have I not sent you? News for me and you this morning, it's far less about us and more about Him. If you know Him, it's less about you and more about Him. He's the one that does the work. He's the one that is, if He's sending you, has prepared you. Listen to his promise that he says here. Not only am I sending you, but you will strike down this big army of the Midianites as if it was just one person. You'll strike them all down. And can I tell you the rest of the story we don't have time for? He did. God sent him. God prepared him. God gave him everything he needed. And that is what happened. So I want to close with this. 
Why is faith in God so valuable? I want to tell you this. In Him, even our weakness is strength. That's God's economy. Weakness equals strength. The most important truth I can give you today, I believe, is just simply allow God to be with you. Are you going to have faith in self? You're going to have faith in your church? You're going to have faith in Christ? I've said it week after week. We all have faith in something, whether you want to admit it or not. Maybe faith in science or faith in good works or faith in whatever. You got faith in something. Why not try it with Jesus Christ? If you know him, he's prepared you. And just like Gideon, I believe he's got a calling for you and sees you more than you see in yourself. That's the economy of God. Will you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you for this day that you've given us, and we thank you for the ability to have faith in you, and it is my prayer that each and every person out here has begun that journey, that we do have faith in you. If not, what a wonderful day, what a wonderful season of the year to give our hearts and lives to you. If we already have that faith, Jesus, will you just grow that faith? Will you help us to trust more in you than in what we can see or feel. Put our trust in you that even however we see ourselves as weak or um, scared or or any of these things that we've labeled ourselves, could we just for one day, will you just allow us to see ourselves as you see us? And Father, that will change everything. You are crazy about each and every one of us. You created us for relationship, and so may we find that today. If we already have it, may it grow closer in intimacy with you. Jesus, we love you, and Jesus, we need you. We pray it in your name this morning. Amen.